Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking into wide open. Touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson. And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore. The 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones is just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we are going to review the Jets' 2022 draft with one of our favorite guests. He comes on all the time around the draft to talk before the draft about what the Jets should do and could do. And then afterwards, talk about what they actually did. The godfather of college recruiting, Mr. Mike Farrell. Mike, what's up, man? Not much. I think Jets fans should be pretty happy. Let's talk about why. Sauce Gardner, number four. Some people thought cornerback a little too high in that spot. Maybe they should have gone in another direction. Maybe they should have gone offensive line there. Perhaps. What do you think? Nah, I thought I thought Sauce was going to be the pick. Um, I think it's a natural fit for them. You know, Stingley going three was a little bit of a surprise. Um, they, Sauce, they like his length. Um, and obviously, a kid and he's going to fit in extremely well in New York. Um, offensive line, it depends on Mekhi Becton. You know, did they give up him? Uh, and, and I don't think they should. I don't know his physical conditioning. I've seen videos where he looks great. I just don't know how he's recovered from that injury. Um, but when you've got a chance to get a premium corner, uh, you, you take it, and, and that's the guy they targeted. So I think it's a good pick. Would you have thought about taking Kayvon Thibodeau in that spot? No, I, I, you know, Thibodeau is very, very hit or miss to me. He's a guy who's a high risk, high reward, and you don't want to do that at four. Um, now, again, a cornerback can be high risk, high reward. You know, we saw in New York, Eli Apple is a good example. You know, number, I think he was number 10 pick, just didn't work out, didn't handle the pressure of the city. Uh, but Thibodeau worries me a little bit as an edge. And, and when you had, you know, Trevon Walker already gone, Aiden Hutchinson already gone. Uh, at that point in time, you know after Thibodeau, there's going to be a little bit of a lull at edge. 
And you can see what you do later in the draft. I think they got the better edge guy, and we'll get to him in a second, I'm sure. But <laughs> I'm happy with what they did at, uh, on the edge. Since you brought him up, let's talk about Jermaine Johnson. The Jets didn't pick him at 10. Some of us were surprised they didn't do that, but then they wind up getting him anyway by trading up to 26. Were you surprised that Jermaine Johnson fell all that way, and did you like the trade up to get him at 26? Yeah, I, w- I was shocked. Um, you know, I had some teams tell me that he could be off the board at eight, um, <clears throat> that he's not going to get past the Ravens. Um, you know, they were at 14 and there's so many trades <clears throat> that it's hard to remember who picked where anymore, but that he was not supposed to get past 14. Um, and he just kept sliding and sliding and sliding and everybody's wondering why, you know, and everybody talks about, you know, it's not his character it's, it's sort of a personality. He's a Juco kid, right? So he's been through, you know, last chance you and, and, you know, he transferred out of Georgia to get an opportunity, but at Florida state, everybody I talked to said is, his energy, his character, his leadership is all there. That was a crumbling football team still is a crumbling football program. And he was outstanding, um, you know, and had a tremendous season. He did it. What was right for him as far as a business decision to get there. So, you know, he's quirky. That's the thing. He's quirky. Uh, but quirky to me is different. Kayvon Thibodeau is a guy who wants to be a mogul, you know, he wants to be Jay-Z, me. Jermaine Johnson wants to be a football player. And quirky or not, at 26, that's that's the value of the first round. It was a tremendous move to go back and, and, and land him. As a player, you think great value for the Jets there? You think he's going to step right in and be a real boon to their pass rush? Yeah, and, you know, it's an effort thing with him. I, I really like the guys that don't quit, don't stop. Um, he's so quick. Sometimes he got there too soon, and, and people ask me what that means. Um, sometimes you can blow a play up so early that it doesn't look like a big hit. You know, it, he you he, get there right at the quarterback-running back exchange, not blow it up, not force a fumble, you know, for a, a touchdown return or, or whatever, but just almost put the guy down and not – lay him out because you're just so you, you anticipate the play so well. And I saw that so many times on film that everybody's looking for a huge hit. Everybody's looking for a, a highlight strip sack. Everybody's looking for this, that, and the other. I'm looking at anticipation and him being where he needs to be all the time at the right time and almost making plays, you know, earlier than you'd expect. So value wise, effort wise, he's there. He's a smart football player. I think Sala is absolutely giddy. I think he wakes up every day, you know, sort of pinching himself, saying, how did I get this kid at 26? I would imagine that Mike LaFleur, the Jets' offensive coordinator, is pretty giddy himself because the Jets got Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver out of Ohio State, at number 10. Did you like that pick? Would you have gone wide receiver? And if you would have gone wide receiver, is Wilson the guy you'd have taken? You know, there's, yeah, I mean, I like Garrett Wilson. For sure. Um, you know, I had Olave as my number one guy, and he went next pick. It, but that's just, you know, which flavor ice cream do you like? Mm-hmm. Um, Jamison Williams with 12. You know, there was the run on wide receivers after Wilson and, and, and after Drake London at eight. Um, I like the pick. He reminds me of Calvin Ridley, and, and that's not going to excite a lot of people. You know, they're going to be like, oh, well, he was a 
he was a good wide receiver, but what did he do in Atlanta to, to, to move the needle or change anything? Well, he was an exceptional wide receiver. He was overshadowed by Julio Jones early in his career, and obviously, you know, the whole gambling and off-field stuff has <laughs> made him lose a season next year. But when you talk about a guy who can set people up, who's a very good route runner, who's very explosive in and out of his cuts, who can high-point the football, adjust to bad throws, <clears throat> contort his body along the sideline, and get deep for you, that's what Garrett Wilson can do. Um, he's not the biggest receiver in the world, uh, but he will create separation and he will make your quarterback, if he's inaccurate, look better. And, and that's what they need at this point. They need a guy who, you know, catch radius is great, but I would prefer with a young quarterback with a live arm to have somebody with a smaller catch radius than perhaps a Drake London, but who is really good at, adjusting his body to to balls that are thrown maybe a yard or two off you know high behind low and that's what wilson can do play like a jet play like a jet mike let's talk about the pick that was somewhat controversial in analytics circles that's Brees hall who the jets got in the second round they used the fifth round pick to trade up two spots to get him jumping the houston texans I personally really like this move because I think that Brees Hall is an exceptional running back who can do so many things and add an element to this offense that they don't have. Most importantly, I think he can help Zach Wilson's development a lot. I've used the Marshawn Lynch-Russell Wilson comparison a lot. Not saying that Zach Wilson is going to be Russell Wilson, but that formula was very successful for the Seahawks. I think the Jets could do something similar there. And I think as far as Brees Hall goes, it's a chess piece move because they made all these other corresponding moves, which means that now you're looking at a piece of the puzzle in Brees Hall who fits in well. In a vacuum, maybe you don't take a running back in that spot, but after all those other moves, I think it makes a lot of sense. I was curious to get your take on this because last year when you were on the show, you said that you would have taken Najee Harris if you were the Jets at number 23. As we know, they ended up trading up and taking Elijah Vera Tucker instead but clearly you have a high value on the big-time running backs. It seems to me that early in the second round tends to be the sweet spot for the best of the best. What do you think here? Are you with the analytics crowd, or are you going to argue what you did last year, which is that the Jets would really benefit from having that feature running back like a Najee Harris, or in this case now, Brees Hall? Well, uh, um, I, I don't mind the pick at all. <clears throat> I think it's good value. You know, you're, you're getting the top running back in the draft essentially – in the second round and and moving up for him i don't really mind that at all um there's a lot of people who say yeah you could get a similar value running back if you didn't trade up but they liked him you know he's got good size he's not Najee harris he's definitely not Najee harris um and it's funny because Najee was picked what like 13 14 picks ahead of him last year but there's a huge difference between a first round running back and a second round running back to me um Najee was the only one in the draft last year in my opinion, Travis Etienne went first round, but I don't think he should have. There wasn't any this year. So then it, it depends on what value you place on it in the second round. They placed a higher value on it than some others uh, feel they should have. But I don't mind the pick because, again, you're trying to make your team better, but you're trying to make your quarterback comfortable. And now you've got Carter, uh, who does certain things well. You've got Hall, who does other things well. You've got sort of this... Uh, dynamic of size difference between the two of them. Um, they can help you in the passing game and make things more comfortable, uh, but they can potentially take pressure off 
Wilson, as you said, you know, because if they don't have a strong running game, they're going to be in a lot of third and long situations. They're second and long situations, third and long, and they're going to tee off and they're going to come after him. And, you know, he's an off, off platform thrower. He can extend the play a bit, but he's also a guy who will make a crazy decision because of his arm talent that you don't want him making. So you want to put him in as many capable situations as possible early in his career. Uh, that's why I like the ability to adjust and Garrett Wilson. And I like the pick at, at, at Brees Hall just to make sure that running game is solid. Had they not addressed, let's say they took Najee last year, right? I, then they would have had to go offensive line early and, and that's fine. Um, you know, it really depends on, again, what you think is the right thing. I think they should have gone Najee last year, uh, you know, with their pick at 10 this year, they could have uh, addressed the offensive line, um, interior or tackle. Uh, and then in the second round, you know, maybe get, uh, either, you know, another weapon for Wilson or another defensive player, but I don't mind the pick at all. I think it's a good pick. Did you think the Jets got a little too aggressive trading up twice, or did you think it was fine considering yeah. who they went up and got? I like it. I mean, come on. That's the Jets. I mean, you've been horrible forever. You've got to make moves. You've got to be aggressive. You've got to take chances. They were the talk of the draft. Now, that doesn't win you one football game, right? You know, everybody after the first round was like, oh, my gosh, the Jets got three first-rounders. They got a top-10 value at 26. whoop de doo you know, unless you win football games and you have to be aggressive and get the players you want to do that. So you could sit back, you could trade down, you could, you know, accumulate picks in the fifth and sixth and seventh round. I mean, they didn't have a pick after 117, I don't believe, but they they wanted these guys. They felt that they were fits for them and they're, they're going all in. I'm not going to compare it to the Rams and their free agency moves, but it's an aggressive approach, and that's what the Jets need. Otherwise, you're just gonna you're just not gonna be good for a very long time. After the Jets traded down in the third round as part of the Jermaine Johnson deal, they wound up with Jeremy Ruckert, the tight end out of Ohio State. The general consensus on Ruckert is that he's a player who has his best football ahead of him because he didn't have a ton of opportunities in a loaded Ohio State offense with limited targets. A lot of people have compared him to Dalton Schultz. What did you think of the Ruckert selection? Yeah, it's not a bad comparison. Uh, he's not going to be Travis Kelsey. He's not going to be a game-changing tight end for you, and he's not going to be even, a, a, you know, a, a, I mean, I don't want to say even, but a Greg Olson or anybody, you know, that's all a famer. Um, he's, a, he's Dalton Schultz. He's that type of guy. He's going to be sort of a second-tier tight end who has good ability to sort of get downfield, make catches, be a reliable receiver for you. Inline blocking needs some work. He underachieved at Ohio State based on expectations, but he also dreamed growing up of being a Jet, and I think that's also something we should really, I don't know, take into consideration. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's always been sort of a cocky kid. You know, when we ranked him out of high school, he was never happy with his ranking, and, and those type of kids either A, wind their way out of football, or B, double down when they don't live up to the hype. He has not lived up to the hype. He landed in the third round, which is great. Now he's got a lot to prove, and he's going to try to prove it for the team he grew up for. So solid pick there. Not, a, not an earth-shattering pick. You know, This tight end group was really, really not good. Uh, so I think they got an okay value at tight end here, but it's just a, not a good group. 
In the fourth round, the Jets picked twice. They got Max Mitchell, the offensive lineman out of Louisiana, kind of a developmental player in terms of becoming a long-term swing tackle and maybe more if they can really get him where they need him. Lighter kid needs to put on some weight, but he looked pretty good at the senior bowl, so a lot of people believe there was good value there. And then Michael Clemens, the defensive end out of Texas A&M, some real flashes on his tape. Older player, some off-the-field stuff, some injuries, but there's a lot of talent there, and he's already become a fan favorite with Jets fans because he's so big and strong and also has such an interesting personality. Talk to me a little bit about what you thought of the Jets' fourth-round selections. Yeah, Mitchell is um, he's, a, he's a physical kid. You know, obviously played for Billy Napier in uh, that running offense, was very, very good last season. Um, you know, pass pro, he needs to work on a little bit. As you mentioned, he needs to get bigger, stronger. I don't think he's ever going to kick outside the tackle, but I think he's going to be a solid interior lineman for the Jets and be a depth guy initially. Um, He could turn into a regular starter for sure, uh, but not initially. Um, But this was a kid, you remember, at a lot of different grades. Um, You know, some had him as high as the second round. Some had him as low as the sixth round. So, He's, he's not a gamble. It's just a wait and see what we get because he's not finished yet and he didn't play great competition. Um, and then Clemens is a freak athlete, you know, but the, the, the Texas A&M guys, they puzzle me greatly um, because I don't know what's going on there. You know, when you think of the, the Jalen Weidemeyers and Isaiah Spillers and the Marvin Leals and those guys who are all, you know, very high – highly thought of draft prospects who all sort of regressed a bit. Um, the, the positive for the Jets is I think you can get sort of out of that environment um, and, you know, blossom in New York because he does have that personality. He's got the physical skills to be good. Um, I think a change of venue is going to help him a lot because I, I worry about the locker room at Texas A&M you know, a bit. They were eight and four last year. Yeah, they beat Alabama, but they had so much talent. They should have been much better. And I think that team kind of gave up uh, late in the season. Um, so we're going to see if Clemens has the fire to be great or not. Um, he's got the, the physical ability. So, Mike, overall, you would say the Jets did well in the draft? Yeah, very well. I mean, honestly, you can't give them anything less than an A. You just can't. Um, you know, three first round picks. All of them, to me, you know, could be rationalized as top 10 value. The number one running back in the draft. So you got, you got the number one corner, even though he went number two at corner. You got a lot of people who had Garrett Wilson as the number one wide receiver, even though he went number two at wide receiver. Uh, a lot of people had Jermaine Johnson late in this process as their number one edge. Um, and, and, and I think that might be a little bit of draft talk. You know, let's find the new guy and be excited about him. But at worst, I think he was the number three edge. Um, and he got him at 26. And then Brees Hall, you know, is he number one running back? I, I think he is. Um, and then evaluate tight end where one through five at tight end are all the same guy to me uh, and not difference makers. So overall, the lack of picks is the only thing you can really say is that, you know, with only seven picks in this draft, which is normal. It's weird. It feels like not many, but that seven rounds, seven picks, it's because they had so many up front, four in the top 36. Um, You worry a little bit about depth, but seven picks, 
if you told me you were going to get these seven guys, uh, I think I'd be very, very happy with at least five of them. Mike, let's talk about all the other teams around the league. Who are some of the ones that you thought were winners and losers? Any individual players that you thought were especially good or bad value? And anybody that was a big surprise to you in terms of getting picked too high or too low? You know, if we could start a division. I mean, the Patriots, I don't know what they're doing. And I guess I never do. I think Bill Belichick wants to be the smartest guy in the room all the time. I think he could have got Cole Strange in the third round. Um, but he took him at 29, and that's fine. I mean, he'll probably turn him into a pro bowler. Patriots just do that. Um, but they reached on him, and, and, you know, if I'm a Jets fan, I'm like, okay, go ahead, keep reaching. Um, that was puzzling to me. Uh, the Dolphins, obviously, you know, with all their trades and moves, weren't really a factor high in this draft. Uh, and Buffalo, okay. I mean, they needed a corner. Um, you know, they got Kier Elam. He's okay. So I think if you look at their divisional opponents, it's like we did better than them. We got better as a football team. That doesn't mean we're going to win the division next year, uh, but we are a lot closer to the other teams than we were before. Um, and the gap between New England and Miami, I don't think is as big. Um, surprises. Uh, I was surprised, I guess, you know, that, that Charles Cross went nine. I think he's a reach. Um, you know, he plays in that Mike Leach offense where you don't have to really pass block that much because the ball gets out so fast, and he's not a run blocker because you don't run in that offense either. Drake London at eight was a little bit of a surprise. I think the Giants did very well. I mean, getting Evan Neal at seven is amazing. I had him as my number one overall guy that uh, the Jags, I think, should have taken. Um, you know, and then – the quarterbacks were very intriguing. You know, Kenny Pickett to me is high high end Kirk Cousins, you know, and do you take high end Kirk Cousins at 20? I don't think you do. Um, and then the quarterbacks falling. I mean, you know, Malik Willis sliding and Matt Corral and all those guys, just a horrible, horrible quarterback class. So what you're going to see in the 2023 draft is the Jets got their guy. They hope he pans out. A lot of teams do not. And they're going to be a very aggressive group when it comes to quarterbacks next year. That's good if you have a high pick and you don't need a quarterback. Because I've seen some mocks having seven quarterbacks in the first round. And quarterback value is crazy. So the Jets won't be world beaters this year. They'll probably still be picking in the top 10 or whatever. And I don't even know their draft situation for next year as far as all these trades. I haven't dug into it. Um, but I think they're in good shape you know, roster-wise, as long as Zach Wilson works out. Mike Farrell, the godfather. Thanks so much for coming on and talking about what the Jets did in the draft and, of course, going around the horn and giving your thoughts on what some of the other teams did, some of the risers and fallers and guys that were bargains and maybe went a little too high. Really appreciate it. I know you've got your own thing going on right now, Mike Farrell Sports, so talk a little bit about that and where people can find you on social media. Yeah, we're starting the 2023 already. Um you know, I am at least because I just I'm so tired of 2022. And that happens, you know, by the last month of, of draft lead up, you're just so tired of seeing the same guys that you get excited about 2023. So I did a 2023 mock draft. It's on the site at MikeBarrelSports.com. Um, you know, today I've got five polarizing guys for the draft next year. Um, and, and polarizing is different. You know, Will Levis is polarizing because some have him as number one 
overall pick. And he was a guy who couldn't beat Sean Clifford out at Penn State. And then Will Anderson's polarizing to me because is he number one pick? You take him because he's the best player in the draft next year, despite the fact that there's probably going to be six quarterbacks. Um, yeah, and then and then Twitter and Feral Sports. But I'm digging into 2023. I absolutely love it. We're still grading the 2022 draft. I mean, we, we did grades on the Jets. <clears throat> we gave them good grades for their all three first-round picks. Great value. So we're still rolling out those grades. And I'm, I'm going to do draft stuff year-round. You know, I know, I know a lot of people drafts over in April. Let's take a four months off. Nah, let's just delve into 2023 and start speculating. Go ahead and check out everything Mike's doing over at Mike Farrell Sports. And go ahead and take a look at what he's projecting for 2023 already. Never too soon to start getting yourself acquainted with the prospects in the draft. So make sure that you're looking at his website and, of course, following him on Twitter as well. Check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got film of all of the players that we talked about today that the Jets drafted. So watch the videos, subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, bless you, thank you shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there, tpublic.com, that's tepublic.com, and be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.